Geek Vibes Live is rated G for Geek. Hey, this is Matt Lesher. This is Phil Lamar. Hey, this is Robin Taylor, a.k.a. The Penguin Gotham, and you are listening to Geek Vibes Live. Here we go. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome back to another exciting episode of Geek Vibes Live interview. Um, as always, I am your host, Tia, and today I'm going to be talking to Patrick Gilmore from the Netflix series Travelers, which just premiered its third season on the 14th. Let's all welcome Patrick. Patrick, thank you for being with us today. Oh, I uh, guess he's not in just yet. Patrick, are you with us? Maybe. Oh, Patrick? Hi. Sorry about that. (laughs) <laughs> it's okay. Thank you for being here. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> uh, Patrick, you know, first of all, I just want to say congratulations on the third season of Travelers. How are how are you feeling right now? It's pretty exciting. Um, I can't imagine going through this without social media because without social media, it would just be a, a, just a silence. But uh I'm able to kind of keep track of, of people's responses and, and reactions. And uh, it's, it's exactly what we we'd hoped and, and more. So, you know, people are really digging it. That is definitely the power of social media. When we, as the fans want something, we make sure to put it out there. And when we like something, we make sure to be very vocal about it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, from your lips to God's ears. Yeah. <laughs> and um, the third season, it did premiere on the 14th. So for those who haven't binged all of the episodes yet, what should fans expect from the third season? Oh, a lot of feeling, a lot of feels, a lot of uh, – it's pretty intense. It gets it gets dark. Um, it, really, it really ups the stakes. I, I can't uh, – I mean, you hear this every season when when someone's promoting a show, but this definitely takes the show to a uh, to a level we haven't seen with Travelers before. It just it's it's the darkest and the uh, the the most emotional of the the three seasons, I think. Oh, should should we be worried? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's time travel. It's the end of the world we're talking about. Yeah, you should be worried. <laughs> that is true. That is very true. Uh, when so when we sit there and we really kind of look at your character David as the seasons have gone on, you know how has it been for an actor to really evolve? Because uh, the David that we got in the first season is definitely not the David that we have now. No, he's uh, he's become. I mean, he feels like he's more alive than he was at the beginning of of the show. But it's 
it's like he's falling apart. He he has completely resigned himself to whatever comes at him with having Marcy in his life. Uh, you see a lot of, of this in David in, in season three, this kind of acquiescence, this uh, resigned nature of, well, okay, if she's going to be my life, then things need to change. I mean, that's kind of what, what uh, kind of the direction that, that he heads in. And um, even with me watching the season three as it got released uh, a week ago, I can see in, in the character of David, it's just kind of like, okay, I'm just going to stop asking questions because I trust you and, uh, and, and I just, I need you in my life. So it's, um, it's fun to watch. I think the best example of this, almost like a template is, is the show Breaking Bad. If you see Walter White in the pilot versus Walter White in the finale, they're completely different people. Um, and, Brian Cranston just it's a master class in, in how you you evolve and, and incrementally change a character. And uh you know, you should be so lucky as an actor to to have writers like uh, Brad Wright, um that they give you those opportunities. That's kinda of really cool that you mention Brian Cranston because that is such a transformation that we see in a show like Breaking Bad. So I'm definitely going to assume that you're a fan of that show. Oh, 100%. I mean, I'm a, I'm a Brian Cranston fan, but I, yeah, the show Breaking Bad was, you know, it was, uh, it's, it's, it's one of those, when we talk about this renaissance of TV, that'll be one of the shows that gets mentioned up there with, you know, the Sopranos and, and, um, travelers <laughs> no. uh, but uh no it was it was it was groundbreaking just from a performance standpoint and um yeah you always have that in your mind especially when you're given an opportunity to to have a character over a course of so far three seasons be completely inundated with uh with trauma and uh i always kind of uh think of i'm i'm not a religious person, but uh, I, I think of David as Job from the Bible. You know, he believes in God so much, and, and the devil says, okay, well, do this to him, do this to him, destroying his life. And does that change his faith in God? And uh, for David, it's his faith in, in humanity, his faith in, in Marcy. And uh, whatever the director throws at him, you know, will this will this change his outlook on life? And how, as an actor, as your reading in the script, all these things that are happening to your character. I mean, how do you get in the mindset to really develop so that us as the viewers are watching and we're seeing and we're believing that the emotions that this character is going through is what he's really going through? Well, David is is kind of the the in, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? He's kind of the, he's the viewer, he's the audience. He's the one witnessing this all. He's the one that's not involved directly in the action, but is being affected by it all, which is you at home with your laptop and your TV and your family around you watching this going, wait, what? And, uh, and so that, that put an onus on me because I, I knew that just in the structure of the character and, and how he was written, that every time something happened to him, he had to react real. He had to be, because the moment that he, you know, picks up a gun and starts kicking ass and 
and thrown off, you know, uh, <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger-like quips after he's off somebody, throwing them off. Of them. We lose it. We're, we're just, okay, the suspension of disbelief is gone. So you need to, you're taking your cues from David to suspend that disbelief. And if if his reactions and his uh, his motives are based in, in truth and uh, in something that we would do, because he's just a, he's just an everyday guy. He, he can't. There's a scene coming up. This is a bit of a spoiler, but he he gets to punch somebody, and it wasn't like smack and then standing over there going, "Yeah, what you know, what do you got for me?" I mean, it hurts because <laughs> if you've ever punched somebody, it hurts. It's he needs to be as real as possible so that you can buy into the concept of time travelers being a reality. It's um. Just story structure-wise, he's he's a needed character, and so anytime this is a long-winded answer, but anytime <laughs> going into a situation where I've got a script and like, okay, this is what David's doing now, it all comes from that. Okay, but like in reality, what would what would happen, and uh, that kind of feeds those decisions. <laughs> I need to take water after that. I've been talking for no. so long. <laughs> no, it's great. That's what we want to hear. And right, as you pointed out something that was really kind of something that I'm always a stickler with when you have shows and movies that have a bit of a um, sci-fi supernatural component to it, and the challenge of still making it grounded. Because even though we're talking about time traveling and all that, we still, as the viewers, want to watch it and not go, you know, that's really far-fetched. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, I, uh, I'm i going to give my dad full credit for this. Because watching TV and movies with him is it's a test because he's a stickler for details like that. And one of his – one of his uh, – biggest gripes is, you know, if someone's walking around with a bag, they'll pause the movie and look at, you know, my family and go, there's nothing in that bag. There's no weight in that. Or that guy's holding the hammer wrong. Like he just, he notices these things that take you out. And, um, and I watch for that. I watch for things that take me out. Um, so it's hard for me to suspend my disbelief, but I like what Brad Wright said early on in the show when we were filming the first season, he said, you know, it's, it's one of these shows that if, if the sound was off, you'd never know it was a sci-fi show. I mean, that that's, that's the, that's the deal. You, you, if you can get them to believe that this reality, then, then they're on this ride with you. Um, and it's tough with sci-fi, but we're not dealing with spaceships. We're not dealing with supernatural forces. We're, you know, a lot of the show, the, the heart of the show is is relationships and second chances. Yeah, and that's something that everyone can relate to. Um, especially, I know that it's so big, the relationship between David and Marcy, which viewers will watch. And that's that type of bond is something that people want, people love watching. And how can you tell me like how you and Mackenzie Porter have built such a great on-screen chemistry? Because it's one thing to see it in, you know, written form, but to really act that out and 
you know, make people just really fall in love with the both of you? I mean, what goes through that process? Well, uh, first I'll say it's, you know, good luck not falling in love with Mackenzie Porter. Uh, (laughs) She's, she's just brimming with talent and personality and just, she's, I, I, yeah, I, you'll never hear a bad word about Mackenzie, except she just, she's so mean to me. No, um, <laughs> no, the two things that, that we kind of, that I think about when Mac and I approach this was a, we have that, that chemistry off camera as well. Um, we just, we get along so well and we both say to each other often, like, thank God we like each other. <laughs> you imagine <laughs> how horrible this job would be if we didn't, but no, she's, she's, I adore her. But we, um, we also had a lot of work cut out for us because the, the, the concept of this relationship started off. My biggest concern with the pilot was, um, the inappropriate nature of the relationship to begin with. Um, this was somebody in my care that that all of a sudden I'm, you know, in a relationship with. And I know that when people started watching it, that there was, there was some concern and issues with that. And so we had to make that a priority to make it as believable and as a natural progression of a relationship as possible, leaving the if you haven't seen the show and you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, when we begin the show, for the first, I think, five minutes of the show, Marcy is a mentally challenged um, girl in the care of the state, and I'm her social worker. And then a time traveler goes into to her head, and um, all of a sudden she's kicking ass and, and can read and socially interact, and it's a complete change. And a lot of the first season is me dealing with that, that change, but also this new person and I start bonding and falling in love. So uh, on paper, it, it, it seems awkward and a, a bit troublesome, but we, we love the characters. We love the direction of the show so much. You know, we, we need to make that as smooth a transition as possible. And, um, and so we, we, we spent a lot of time just really sh- finding our way through the narrative and, and the, the building of the relationship to, to a point that you don't see the past. You see what's in front of you, and it's two people that are in love but in an impossible situation. Um, yeah, I mean, the success of, of the what they call hashtag Darcy relationship um, is is uh is a lot to do with with just Mackenzie's and my ability to to uh to play off each other. She she's such a a giving actress and uh, uh yeah, I just I'm just so lucky to to have her to play off of. So would you say that and she hashtag... better say the same thing about me. I swear <laughs> to God, she doesn't say the same thing about me. <laughs> Well, I promise that if we get Mackenzie on here, I'm going to ask her and we'll see, you know, hopefully she'll say the same thing. <laughs> she better, you better let me know. I definitely will. Would you say that hashtag Darcy fans out there will be happy with the, uh, the storyline in season three? Um, well, that's a touchy question. I, uh, 
Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's it's fulfilling. It, it's it gets me emotional watching it. Um, and I've read it, and I I got to act it out, and I'm still as of like last night getting emotional about you know certain scenes and but um as a storytelling point of view it's always fun to to see characters hit and miss and and almost get there but are they there maybe they're not you you want that conflict you want that um the divisiveness in order to keep the story going so for the sake of season 4 you know, I, I hope they're not happily ever after yet. But I mean, I'm, I'm being so vague, and, and I'm giving a lot of misdirection. So you have to see season three. It's just, it's, it's too much to talk about. And so, are we getting a season four? Well, that all depends on this week and in the next couple of weeks. Uh, I mean, Netflix will make their decision. It's it's all up to them. But they'll they'll base it on you know, binging percentages. They don't release their numbers, so we're kind of left in the dark. But Brad Wright, his plans, and, um, you know, the cast are gung-ho to do it uh, because it's it's such a fun job. Um, but, yeah, this it all depends on, on the, uh, the folks at home w- with their Netflix accounts. So, you know, there's always that question of, oh, do I, do I savor it and, like, watch an episode a week or do I binge it all at once? You do you, but if you want a season four, binging it is the is the best option. That helps us out the most. And who doesn't like binging? Um, that's why I don't have cable. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. The only I don't want to. I, I don't want to watch is, week to week. <laughs> no. Who, who who's got the patience for that? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I really hope that we get a season four, especially since it sounds like you already have hashtag Darcy ideas for the next season. So I really hope that this week and, you know, last week that people really were just binging because Travelers is such a great show that we definitely need another season. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah. And like I said, the, the, the cast and the crew um, right across the board, we, we all, we all want it. It's uh it's a show we, it's a story we love telling and it's uh, it's characters that we ourselves are attached to. Um, so yeah, we've been very fortunate. And so just a quick question, just because I promised myself that I would ask this um, no matter what kind of moving yeah. a little away from travelers. You played a minor character in one of my favorite shows called the killing um, on uh, AMC, yeah. <laughs> and I really was kind of disappointed that we didn't get as much Tom Drexler as we actually did, um, just because your character was almost out of place in the show, which made it so fantastic. Um, and if you could just maybe tell me a little bit how it was working on that show. Yeah, that was um, <clears throat> Tom Drexler was one of my most favorite characters to play because he's just so he's so out of place. I mean, he he's kind of a a colorful version of Mark Cuban, which is saying something cuz Mark Cuban himself is is colorful. I just saw a clip of Mark Cuban 
playing the president in Sharknado, I think, and he like exits an elevator with a <laughs> shotgun and everything. And I'm just like, okay, well, that's that's kind of in line with Tom Drexler. He would love that. But he was this uh, Tom Drexler. You know, I'm not saying this, Mark Cuban, but t- Tom Drexler was this coked up, um, you know, multi-millionaire owner, or you know, trying to get a, a uh, basketball team in Seattle, and it all took place in this storyline of just this dark murder that you know is just affecting people across the you know an entire city and uh yeah i was hoping he would come back but he served his purpose he was a bit of a red herring for uh for the whodunit um maybe i shouldn't say that because people might still be watching it but he wasn't (laughs) a good guy and i love playing that type of guy because he was he was fun. He was, uh, he was just, he was a very, he was an eccentric and like, I kind of leaned into that, but, uh, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought Tom Drexler up. Cause he's, he's one that I always mention as being one of my favorites to, to have played. It was such a good and show. I, such an amazing show. Um, cause even before you and I went on to this talk, I was speaking to a friend of mine who has seen both Travelers and The Killing. And I go, yeah, he was Tom Drexler in The Killing. She's like, no way, not David. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah right? Yeah, that's, I, I like that because it's so, I would think that between the two, between David Mailer and Tom Drexler, I'm I'm more like David. And so it was, it's fun to play things that you aren't, uh, that are not in your wheelhouse, not in your comfort zone. And, so you uh, don't want to put a massive basketball field in like the middle of Seattle. Jesus, I can't even dribble a ball. There's a <laughs> there's a scene in in the in the the killing, and I, it's been so long I can't remember which episode. But I have to dribble a ball across my living room because I'm so rich. I've got like a living room that has a basketball <laughs> net in it, and make a layup all while narrating like my own kind of daydream sort of thing. I can't tell you how many times we had to film that because. I would get maybe two dribbles in and the ball would end up flying directly at the camera or into the, the bar. And people were looking around going, are you serious? I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm, I, I have no coordination with basketball. I, I, I've never had to do this. And I kept talking to the writers going, why can't he just like football or skiing or something that I know about? Does that mean basketball? Because I, I don't watch it. I can't dribble a ball. And so when you watch this, this scene, I think it becomes more evident when you realize like how uncoordinated I am because it's such an ugly layout. It's the only take that I actually made the basket, so they they put it in. <laughs> it's terrible. Oh man, I'm loving that story. <laughs> that oh, that would so be me. I'm not good. I'm not good at basketball either. <laughs> no. Yeah, try doing it on camera for millions of people. So. You're not good at basketball, but you're really into, like, aviation. So, I mean, at least you got that, right? <laughs> oh, you you cut out. I'm into AV what? Aviation? Oh, yes, I am. Yeah. So you cut out there. So. Oh, yes, I'm I sorry about aviation. that. <laughs> no, that's all right. Yeah. And where so, did I mean, that kind to... of – sorry where about that. Come that? From? Yeah, where did that stem from, that, you know, passion about that? Um, my dad is a pilot, and 
my earliest memories are, are being, you know, buckled up into a, uh, into a small airplane. Um, uh, specifically we had a Cessna 185 on floats. And so I, uh, my brother, my family, my mom and I, we, we all just, um, we would go on vacations in, in the plane. And so it was just an assumption that I would eventually fly. You know, I, I had held the yoke and, and, uh, and watched my dad fly, but I, you know, I didn't know the details behind it. So it wasn't until a few years ago, maybe about four years ago, I started really taking it seriously. Um, realizing that, you know, it's not just going to happen. I have to make a phone call and show up. Um, and then uh, I, I, I came very close uh, with soloing. I just needed to kind of write the, the written part, uh, portion. But then Traveler started, and uh, it's, just been, it's been too busy to, to finish it. And, uh, but I'm, I'm sitting there looking right now at my, my textbook from the ground up, and, and it's, it's on my mind every day just to, to finally get that done because um, – it's 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 a powerful feeling. It's a it's a freeing feeling to be to be able to fly. It's 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 primal, you know. It, it's the stuff of daydreams. So why wouldn't I? I hope certainly when you do get a chance to have some free time that you actually make it up there. Oh yeah, I mean the moment I get my pilot's license, I'm sure I'll just be obnoxious online, just posting <laughs> selfies of me in front of every airplane I walk past. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> you, so obviously we have the travelers, and you're go. You are. I'm going to put it out there. You are going to get your pilot's license. Do you, you. have? Yes. <laughs> do you have any other projects that you're working on right now? Um, anything in the future that we should expect? Yeah, it's it's been a it's been a busy 2018. So. Um, I just wrapped as of a few weeks ago the fourth season of uh, You Me Her, which is a direct TV TV show for the Audience Network, um, and that's that's been a, a lot of fun. That's you know it's a uh, kind of romantic comedy, um, and uh, I started off as a very small character, and and come the the second, third, and fourth season, they've really expanded. Sean the bartender. Uh, and so I'm not 100% sure when that's coming up, but there's also a fifth season of that going to be filmed next year as well. Um, oh, nice. And then on top of, yeah, and then on top of all that, I did a, uh, a sitcom for uh, CTV, Canadian network, uh, called Jan. Um, that's a uh, kind of a fictionalized <laughs> story of, of the uh, Canadian superstar Jan Arden. Um and I play her brother-in-law, and so that's coming to CTV, I believe, in March of 2019. So it's it's been a it's been a fun year for comedy, and uh, yeah. And then we just kind of sit here and, and wait patiently for Netflix to uh, to look at the binging numbers to to get any word on whether or not there'll be a season four of Traveler. So it's going to be a busy 2019. I'm 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 uh, I'm going to take the time this Christmas just to to prepare myself for it. Well, that's fantastic. I'm really happy to hear that and to see everything that comes out in 2019 in your projects. And as soon as we know about if Travis is getting a season four, I bet you the Internet is just going to erupt with it. 
I hope. So. Yeah, I mean, you'll you'll be you'll hear it. We'll be shouting it from the rooftops. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you so much um, for coming here and speaking with me. I really appreciate you taking the time. Oh, I I, I love doing it. Thank you so much for having me. No problem. And everyone, again, I have Patrick Gilmore with me. Thank you again for tuning in to another episode of Geek Vibes Live Interview. You all have a good day. Bye. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.